Welcome to the Page to Pixel podcast. I am your host, Rejoin, and join with me, as usual, is Jeremy. Say hello, Jeremy. Hey, I'm back. He's back. And you he couldn't is, get rid of me. Couldn't get rid of him. That's I right. I dug myself out of the shallow grave, and I have returned for Good. And we are happy to have Jeremy back. Um, well, Happy New Year, by the way. Um, yeah, for every, that's for right. Every, yeah, for, for <laughs> that's right. That for, happened recently. That that happened recently. Yeah, it's our first episode of the new year. Um, it's going to be a, a pretty good new year. I think we're planning to do some episodes where we were um, talking about. I think with Elder Scrolls, we kind of did things a little kind of one after the other, and we wanted to kind of stagger things out a little bit. I know some uh, podcasts that are more reputable do that, and I think we're going to kind of do some series like we did last year in the last season. And kind of continue things along, but kind of stagger it just a little bit so we can have a little bit of uh, tease it out, so to speak. Um, but further ado, this episode we are going to be talking about something I think is the newest game um, that we've covered so far. I'm trying to think. Is this the newest game that we've covered so far? Mm, probably close. I mean, this game's like three or four years old now. I don't it, even know how old. Well, the, the game in question that we are talking about is Valheim. Um, and it was actually released February 2nd, 2021. So we're almost on the okay, three, two year anniversary of it. Yeah. Is it still in early access or is it a full release now? That's the question. Uh, let, me, let me check Steam. Yeah, let's pull it up here on Steam. I have it right here. It looks like it doesn't have the early access banner anymore. It doesn't have the banner anymore, but it does get consistent updates. Oh, no, it is still. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, okay. it is still. I mean, I know a lot of games still do that. Um, Anyway, so yeah, we're talking about Valheim today. I think what what kind of <laughs> kind of convinced us to do this is because we've both been playing it. I know Jeremy have been playing it pretty consistently for a long time. You have quite a few more hours what? than I. You have quite what? a few few more hours than I do on the game, and you kind of convinced me. Um, I saw it on sale, so I picked it up, and I've really enjoyed what I played so far. Um, for those that are not aware of Valheim, because it is a relatively re- recent game, Jeremy, do you want to kind of just briefly explain what it's all about? Like, it, what, it, what in terms of like gameplay and stuff like that, what does it play like? So it's it is a your typical base builder, I would say. It's not as maybe hardcore as what's that one, the forest? That yeah. one's like real hardcore. Um, so it's closer to like your Minecraft, maybe, but more combat orientated. It's relatively low poly though. Um, mm-hmm. However it still looks really nice. That was actually one thing that I think we talked about like immediately when we both started playing together. I was like, for like how shitty this game looks, it looks really good. I was thinking too when we were playing it, it's weird. It's one of the very few games that I can think of that it looks better in the distance than it does really close up. Yeah. Like if you're looking through the forest and stuff like that, it looks really good. But if you look straight down at your feet, it's like, oh. 
yeah like the, the player character's model is like i don't know it's it's not it, it's almost retro like i don't mean shitty in a bad way i just mean it's not it's just clearly not like modern triple a standard of graphics right um but I feel like that doesn't affect the gameplay in any meaningful way. Yeah, I agree. And, like, and the the whole soundtrack for it too is excellent. Oh, too. it's got a beautiful soundtrack. I like I turn off any other movies I'm listening to and I'm hanging out in the meadows just because the soundtrack mm-hmm. is so chill. I'm trying, um, to f- I'm trying to like look at because uh, Steam has the soundtrack available, but I'm trying to see. Uh, Patrick Yarostan is the composer of that. So okay. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it is a, it is a base builder. Uh, it's a little bit more combat orientated, combat focused and resource management, I guess, as far as like you're managing your stamina in addition to your health. Um, and then late, later game, um, in the new Mistlands update, they also added in, I believe it's called a tier. Um, it is essentially like a magic pool. Okay. So there's a little bit, uh of magic tied to staffs and stuff, but it's, it's, it's combat is, I would say basic, but the difficulty is managing your stamina because literally everything other than just walking at a normal pace drains stamina. So it's not just a, a, a straight slasher kind of like some of the other, uh, crafter games. So sure. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why we kind of wanted to do Valheim, even though it is a, a relatively recent game and it's only a single game in the series, it's not there's no sequels or anything else like that. Uh, it's because it's connection to Norse mythology, which is something that is you know both uh, for both of us is a pretty strong interest of both of ours. And um, just kind of looking at some of the cross comparisons with this game and other Viking Norse themed media, so I think that's really the theme and the mentality going into this episode is just this idea of how does this game Valheim kind of connect to the larger themes and narratives and stuff like that that we both kind of are pretty familiar with we didn't really need to do a lot of research for this episode to kind of jump into it um, <laughs> no we're winging it no yeah we're, we are kind of winging it we did actually talk a couple days ago before just to kind of get our thoughts out we talked for like 45 minutes about this so <laughs> hopefully we can sort of recreate some of that magic there um, but without further ado, if you if you think we're good to go, we can probably just like run through the real basics of the game. I'll actually read the opening script if we want to jump into there. Yeah, uh, you're gonna read the story of the game, just the entire story, the all three paragraphs of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna read all. Uh, yeah, so so bear in mind, I'm gonna read all three paragraphs here of the opening the opening scroll scroll. Um, so here we go. So, this is when you start the game, when you create a new character and jump into a world. Your world is um, procedurally generated. You can, it's just like with Minecraft and other survival games. You can ha- you can generate a seed, um, and depending on what your seed uh, generated is, it's going to have different, you know, shaped biomes and stuff like that. So, when you start doing that, it's going to pop in with this message, um, and you're dropped off by the raven. Is it Hugin? I think is the first one. That's actually, a, I think it's actually supposed to be a Valkyrie that drops you off. Uh, okay. Anyway, so here is that opening line of dialogue that they have. So, long ago, the Allfather Odin united the worlds. He threw down his foes and cast them into the tenth world, then split the boughs that held their prison to the world tree and left it to drift unanchored, a place of exile. For centuries, this world slumbered uneasily, but it did not die. As glacial ages passed, kingdoms rose and fell out of sight of the gods. When Odin heard his enemies were growing once again in strength, he looked to Midgard and sent his Valkyries to scour the battlefields for the greatest of their warriors, 
dead to the world, they would be born again in Valheim. So that is the opening text scrawl of the game. Um, the game does have um, like runestones and stuff that kind of have looser lore bits kind of scattered throughout. Um, depending on where you are, there are like um, runestones that maybe have three or four sentences depending on different animals, different people, um, different ideas. But it, it you know, and it all kind of adds to the larger plot. But overall, um, how would you want to break this down? So I kind of went through the first paragraphs there, but how would you kind of break down what's going on here? So, uh, essentially, what I attributed the the larger enemies to, I believe when we were first talking, was like the biblical Leviathan, sort of these ancient creatures that are almost forces of nature as opposed to normal, like, meat and potatoes kind of beings. So... There's something that just literally can't be killed, right? Yeah. And being a threat to the the world that Odin is essentially trying to create or defend, or the existence of the other races of man and, and God, they were essentially imprisoned on this planet, or on this realm, and the realm was severed from Yggdrasil. So, essentially, I kind of view this as almost like a prison realm, essentially. Okay. And these beings have been growing back in strength and are potentially a threat again. So you're being sent there to re-summon them and put them back down is kind of the, the, the best way I could describe it from what I've seen. So right. you're going through these different zones, um, biomes. Uh, you're kind of, <clears throat> you're sort of conquering them. So you start out with basically a loincloth and very crude weapons and tools until you conquer that zone. You summon the boss, that first boss being Elkthir, the, the giant elk uh, that shoots lightning out of its horns. Um, antlers, sorry. And when you put them down, you get their trophy. You sort of take it back to the giant runestone, mount it there, and that rebinds them back in their eternal prison, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then you, you move on to the next one. So you go to that next zone, and you're essentially a baby again. You have to reconquer it, grab new, uh, like forge new weapons, new armors, resummon that bots, boss. And then it's kind of a little bit of a rinse and repeat, but to break up that gameplay loop of grind for gear, beat boss, grind for gear, there's some really nice exploration and base building elements that kind of help balance that out. Right. And I did ask you this um, the other day to kind of, you, you'd mentioned that this is a detached world. Valheim is the... 10th realm in the whole idea of Norse mythology. Can you name the nine realms of Norse mythology? You got like right. six of them last time. Let's see if yeah. we can get all of them. So all there's right. nine existing worlds of Norse mythology. Midgard, Asgard. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, I almost said Valheim. Valhall. Mm -hmm. um, Jotunheim. Yep. Muspelheim. Yep. Alfheim. Alfheim? Yep. How is Alf, it? Alfheim, yeah. Okay. Um, Helheim? Yep. All right. So I need two more. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the cold one? Um, Muspelheim is fire. You're thinking of Niflheim. Niflheim and then whatever the one that the Vanir are from. Uh, Van, uh, Vanaheim. Vanaheim. Okay. I got one more than last time. You I'll did. Take it. And did you say Svartalfheim? The dark elf? The dwarven thing? Wouldn't that be ten? 
It's nine. So here, here we go. Let me just go through them. You, I think you got most of them. You got better than last last time. So yes, um, kind of going through the list here. Um, if you are not familiar with Norse mythology, if you are not a um, middle class white person with some, you know, three fifty sevenths percent, you know, Norse Viking ancestry. I mean, I remember on previous podcasts, Jeremy, you had mentioned that you are two forty fifths Cherokee. So you know, if you're <laughs> if you're not, that is essentially how every white person in the Midwest views their tie to. Uh, Northern Europe. Correct. So yeah, it's it's becoming kind of a thing, and I think we'll kind of talk about that later. Anyway, so the existing nine worlds of Norse mythology, if you're not familiar, Asgard um, is the major one that the 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 true I, I don't say true gods, but like the main pantheon. The Aesir, your the Odin, Aesir. your Thor, your Tyr, those yep. the big yep. daddies. And that's where like Valhalla is, and that's uh, it's connected to Midgard by the Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge. That's right. Valhalla is not part. Valhalla is not its own realm. It's part of Asgard. Yep. Yep. That's where. That's where I goofed him up. Yep. You're good. So that's Asgard. Asgard is the home of the Asir, the the main gods of Norse mythology. Um, Alfheim is sort of near Asgard. Um, it's the realm of elves. And elves are sort of typically described as more beautiful than anything, like the most glorious um, race of beings um, in the entire mythology. Um, but when I was trying to do some more research on Norse mythology, you and I both kind of realized that there's really not a huge mention of elves. Um, they're just kind of beautiful and they're there and there's really not much there. Um, I, I kind of attribute it to like... Uh, what is it, Rivendell from the Lord of the Rings? It's just yeah. a really, a really nice place with really beautiful folks. Uh, then there is Hell, um, which is spelled with one less L because it's cooler. It's essentially, as you can imagine, it's the Norse realm of the dead. It's grim. It's gloomy. It's near the roots of Yggdrasil, which is the tree that kind of combines all of the realms. I believe um, it is for the dishonored dead, correct? Right. So, so if you, yeah, if you. If you don't, yeah, if you if you don't die in battle, yep, or or some sort of honorable death, that is where you go. I don't necessarily know if it's as bad as you know Christian hell. Um, no, I think it's just like I think it's just sort of like the Greek underworld, where it's just like kind of lame. Yeah, it says that it's grim, dark, and gloomy, so it's very much Detroit. It's um, it's like a it's like a party that you wanted to leave fifteen minutes ago, but you can't. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, then there's Jotunheim. Um, that's the land of the giants. Jotun being uh, giants in, I don't know what language, but Norse in general. Um, that is a very kind of uh, mountainous, forested area, home of the giants. The giants are always at odds with the Asir and Vanir, which I'll talk about in a second. But um, yeah, Jotunheim is also not a super great place. It's super dangerous. It's cold. It's frosty. It's It's just kind of rough rugged terrain midgard is where we live um so according to you know norse mythology midgard as far as i know um it has a very similar origin story too with the adam and eve story um with the, the first people being carved out of wood or coming out of wood um but midgard is the home of human beings the normal um people and around midgard is your mongander um, the the world serpent who is a spo- supposedly coiled around the earth, um, and uh, yeah, he kind of is kind big of snake. a t- big snake, big snake. Yes, so that's Midgard, um, and the Asir, you know, Thor and Odin, they kind of watch over Midgard. Muspelheim is one of the earlier um, 
realms. It's like, I think between Muspelheim and Niflheim, those are the two primordial realms. Uh, Muspelheim being the land of fire. So it's essentially the fire planet Mustafar from um, Star Wars. I, like when I think of Muspelheim, I think of that. That's probably accurate, yeah. It's controlled, you know, by fiery demons and Satur, uh, Surtur, Satur, however you want to pronounce it, the, you know, fire giant. Um, and when Ragnarok happens, which is the eschatological, the end of the world for Norse mythology, uh, Satur rises up out of Muspelheim to kind of attack the gods. So Muspelheim is very fiery. It is very not super fun. Uh, Svartalfheim is a realm that is underneath Midgard. Um, it's the home of the dwarves, who are the, the craftsmen. So if your idea of, you know, the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings series, movies, books, whatever, um, thinking of those kind of dwarves, I mean, that's a pretty, every fantasy dwarf, really, you know, making goods and items for people that are magically imbued, um, skilled craftsmen, like your idea of dwarves um, from a fantasy perspective does come from, from Norse mythology. And then there's Niflheim, which is the... Um, one of the first lands like Muspelheim that kind of crossed um, what was called Gnungagap, which was the primordial void of nothingness. And out of the nothingness, um, there's this process of um, fire and ice clashing with each other. And that's essentially what kind of started the, the realms being be, be, uh, coming into existence. So Niflheim is the opposite, is the yin to the yang of Muspelheim. Niflheim is the land of snow and ice. Um, so not a super good place to be either. And then there's Vanaheim. Um, where does the Vanir live? V-A-N-I-R. They are typically associated, I guess they're lesser deities. I guess you could consider them. They are not as much as uh, on the same level as the Asir. They went to war with the Asir for a long time. The Vanir did. They're typically more fertility related. They are related with nature, magic, and stuff like that. So Vanaheim is the home of the Veneer, and I believe that's it. That's all nine. You have anything else you wanted to say about those nine? No, I mean obviously there's the the more commonly known ones, but um, Norse mythology primarily spends its time on Midgard, Asgard, and Jotunheim. So right, um, those are probably the more commonly known. Uh, locations by white men in wisconsin <laughs> white men in wisconsin <laughs> um yeah so there's a lot of really cool stuff to it i mean we're not gonna there's i'm sure there's podcasts and books that you can really check out i mean i was i got some iterations from a book um i have quite a few books on norse mythology but i was reading one book bring it up here right now uh norse mythology written by helen gruber oh sorry gerber um and this was originally written in 1908 so it's obviously a little out of date with our own more modern interpretations of Norse mythology. But one of the things I thought that she said that was interesting, and I think it can be our next talking point, was the idea that, and I'll quote here real quick here, is that um, Norse, uh, Northern mythology is grand and tragical. Its principal theme is the perpetual struggle of the bene uh, beneficent forces of nature against the injurious, and hence it is not graceful or idyllic in character. Unlike the religion of the sunny south, where people could bask in perpetual sunshine and the fruits of the earth they grew in their hand. So essentially what she's saying is that Norse mythology is really steeped in its location. Um, so Northern Europe being relatively, you know, hot, you know, it, it, you can live there. Obviously people right. do, but it's it's there's a lot of dangers at, at hand, like not only the weather, but, you know, the, the landforms themselves, you know, a lot of Scandinavia is very rugged. Uh, and it's a tough place to live, and that's largely impacted a lot of their um, 
you know, mythology. Religious views of the yeah. time. Right. Yeah. Under understandably. Yeah. It's, um, so, it's sort of how, I mean, I don't want to get too far off of it, but it's sort of how, like, a lot of cultures of, you know, like Russia, for example, is really a lot of the same way. The, there's, like, a lot of, you know, rigidity and... Um, it's more maybe blunt to the point. Mm-hmm. Like, because because of the climate and the the, the geography, topography of, of the Not place. necessarily a pessimistic outlook on life, but just maybe a more realistic realistic and realizing that you know you gotta always be on your guard so to speak right um one thing i don't remember exactly the quote quote you said there um however that kind of made me think of it mentioned something about it being sort of dark or could one second what, what was it again could you link it to me uh i it's the the quote or oh it's on a book you said yeah it was in a book um essentially she was saying that um yeah, the the fact the major theme of Norse mythology is that it's the ideas of um, the positive forces of nature are always kind of at threat by the injurious or threatening okay. sides of nature. Okay, maybe then it doesn't make sense the dot I connected, but I'm still gonna say it anyways. But one thing that I really kind of enjoy about Norse mythology is, and in a lot of more contemporary. Uh, like religions or mythoses, your your people are kind of supposed to be looked up to or they're almost perfect, where in, in Norse mythology, a lot of them are kind of just bad examples or things that you shouldn't really do. Like, they, a lot of the gods are prideful and arrogant and things that we currently don't really view as something like good characteristics to have. Mm -hmm. um, but you can see sort of the downfall that that happens because of it. I, I I think in a way it can almost be a comment on the society, because uh, if you aren't aware, uh, listeners out there at the time, culturally, there was a lot of pride and honor that dictated actions. For example, if I killed Reed's brother, he would be duty-bound to either kill me or my brother. Right. Um, which kind of then perpetuates this constant feuds that grow and escalate and uh, looking at them from an outsider it's it's like you can look at it and say oh yeah we should maybe kind of put our our honor aside because we're just going to keep killing each other right um that's just a little thing that i've taken from my experiences with north mythology where it's like they're doing a lot of really dumb stuff and it would be really easy to avoid these situations right yeah and I think with a, the, the general trend in polytheistic traditions, polytheistic meaning multiple gods for those people not in the know, uh, polytheistic traditions typically, especially like when I think of polytheistic, you think of Greek traditions um, with like Zeus and Poseidon and stuff like that. Uh, from my understanding of Greek mythology, people that would worship Greek gods were very, very much afraid of them. They, they, it was not like a super loving god. It was not a super positive relationship they had with the gods. It was seeing them as like this stern parent or something like that. And I think a lot of that kind of carried over to, uh, you know, not carried over, like literally, like uh, culturally. But you can sort of see that similarity in a lot of polytheistic traditions is that the gods that do exist in polytheistic traditions are a lot more flawed or a lot more human than the omnipotent, you know, monotheistic traditions such as Christ or um, Muhammad um, or sorry, Allah. So I think that's interesting. Oops. Yeah, I don't want 
Oopsies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oops. Canceled. All right. You know, I, well, yeah, we're not getting too far into that discourse. Um, it's just the, this idea that polytheistic traditions typically have gods that are a lot more flawed, that make mistakes um, versus monotheistic traditions where the gods are always, you know, above human deceptions and stuff like if that. If they did something, it was because you can't understand the good of it. Right. Exactly. Not just well, they made an oopsie. And as far as we know, um, we, and again, don't quote me on this, but with Norse mythology and Norse history, a lot of it was orally traditional uh, or an oral tradition. So it's kind of brought down from, from person to person. And we kind of talked about this too, is that a lot of these stories would be kind of gathered over time. And as it's passed down orally, it's sort of embellished and embellished and embellished so that at the end of it, when people are finally recording it, it's probably going to be you know, very far from the truth. Again, anytime you're talking about mythology or religion, what is the truth, I guess, is up to perception. So when talking about Norse mythology, a lot of it was written down in the, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th centuries. So that's a long time after um, the spread fall of, of the, the, the fall. Of yeah. And, and, and the influence of Christianity, too. Um, right. And that's kind of a problem, too, with, with Norse mythology is because you can sort of see very similar things um, like the flood and there's like a flood uh, a flood theme in um, Norse mythology at the beginning of the world and there's human beings being born out of trees and stuff like that at kind of an Adam and Eve situation and you have to wonder did these stories exist before Christianity or was it largely influenced by Christianity and kind of adopted and I think that's kind of a question granted uh, flood stories and the notion of man and woman being born in a utopia is not it's not tied directly to Christianity. It's just been more ubiquitously spread. And we know it from that, you know, flood stories have existed since the dawn of time. Um, so it's just interesting to see, sorry, getting a drink here. Uh, it's just interesting to see some of these common themes that we see in mythologies kind of throughout the world. I'm really glad we're doing this on a um, video game podcast, not a PBS right, yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, back to the game. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> one thing I, I do really enjoy, because we'll get to now, I would say, the creatures of this world. Sure. Um, so there's a couple of things that are pretty drawn from Norse mythology. So you'll have... Draugr, um, which if you are not familiar with, are undead. Usually, if I am correct, they are have been wronged in some way. And so they yep. come back to haunt a village or something. So if someone was, say, murdered uh, wrongfully, they may come back to haunt the family that that murdered them. That sort of thing. Yeah, vengeful, um, vengeful ghosts. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there are sea serpents, trolls, mm -hmm. all kind of common things. And then it gets into some things that maybe don't fit. There's like goblins, um, giant mosquitoes, <clears throat> whatever the gray dwarfs are. They're like half tree man creatures. Mm -hmm. I believe they were bad people, like thieves and murderers that died and were basically reborn. And there was a video uh, that you shared with me, Reed, where there was a gentleman that was an expert going over the accuracies and inaccuracies of the game. But one thing I really appreciate with the setting that it's in is it's since it's been cut off from the rest of uh, the world tree, they could still be 
air quotes, in Norse mythology, but they're just hidden from what we know of. Right. Um, and I think what I watched the video and I don't know if there's like truth in this in the lore system, because I'm guessing that, you know, I'm sure that the people building the scenario for this game, you know, took their time and looked at Norse mythology. But there's there was like a, a, a video review or video uh, essay that I watched where they talked about how since Valheim is detached, it is the 10th realm of Yggdrasil, um, that it has these different biomes in the game because they kind of cross influence of other realms. So it has, you know, the mountainous areas because of Jotunheim, and it has, you know, other areas based upon the interaction and influence of the actual, you know, the nine worlds of Norse mythology. So I thought that was kind of an interesting touch is that, you know, yeah. the biomes kind of make sense. But um, looking at the bosses of the game, um, some of them do kind of fit into what you were kind of saying about enemies in general. You know, there's the Draugr and stuff like that. And obviously the Norse people probably had some interaction with deer and, and elk, obviously, and, and uh, reindeer. So <laughs> let's go through <laughs> the boss list real quick. And you obviously have a little bit more experience with the right. bosses than I do. You had mentioned that the, uh, earlier on, Aethir, who's like the first almost tutorial boss of the game. Yeah, um, is is kind of a, a deer um, that you fight uh, antlers and everything. Elk like shoots that. lightning. Um, it's pretty like <clears throat> being the first boss you fight. I would say it's a good start. You know, he's not not super tough, but there is that awe factor when it's a massive deer that's the size of an elephant. Probably, I would say mm-hmm. he's got cool like chains all in his horns, and then he shoots lightning out of his antlers. Um, I don't know. I guess you more recently had your first encounter with them. What, like, what would you, how would you describe that? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I think it is a good intro boss because it, you know, it, it does take time. And uh, granted, that when we beat him, we had five people. Well, yeah, that we were... had a bunch of butt. Yeah, and uh, yes, if if we didn't mention this, um, this game can be played with up to ten players on the same server. So if you have a group of people, you can kind of jump in and kind of mad dash kind of through some of this stuff. Um, but Aether is the first boss, and is it with all bosses you get some sort of buff after you kill them? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, each yep. boss has a buff. So with yep. Aether, um, you can uh, regenerate your endurance faster, your stamina. So. Mm. Yep. Uh, there's the Elder, which is the second boss, and he's like an ent. You said he's kind of like a tree man. Yep. And then yeah, there... he's like angry tree beard. And that what what realm is he from again? He is in the the. Black Forest. Black Forest, okay. And then there's Bone Mass, which is just like a giant ooze, weird-looking thing, right? Yeah, imagine, if you will, the the top part of the Boogeyman from Nightmare on... Uh, not Nightmare on Elm Street, a Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a fart cloud of slime underneath is how I would best describe him. Okay. So, he is the boss of the swamp. So, okay. very poisonous He's actually... I guess I, it's hard to say because I this is now the first time I've played after when it initially launched. But he is one of the tougher bosses just because your armor doesn't really help because he poisons you. The swamp is just a really dangerous place. They did a really good job in this game of defining each of the biomes and kind of their unique environments that you have to work around. So Yep, for sure. Um, and then there's Motor. Um, Moto, mo- motor, yeah, motorhead. Motor, motorhead, which is a frost dragon, which kind of tracks with Norse mythology. Yep. Uh, there's Yagluth, which is like a skeleton demon. Is that the one with like, um, uh, like the kind of hunched over? 
looking uh, like. yeah so he's not actually yeah he's not actually hunched over he is essentially like a giant skeleton but he he like ends at the bottom of the spinal cord so he doesn't have a pelvis or legs or anything so he just kind of like crawls around he's kind of spooky okay cool and then um, go ahead and then is it the queen next? I don't know. The remember. queen, which is yes. I wrote in my notes, is the Starship Troopers. So Yeah, um, so that is the newest. I have not actually made it too far to the mists yet, but she is essentially like a praying mantis kind of like insect boss. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they do kind of get away from the theme with some of the bosses, I think. But again, like I said, if if it is in this hidden planet, who knows? you know, what's supposed to be there and what's not supposed to be there, right? Right, and I think it's just interesting that the the plot of this is that you're a fallen warrior that instead of getting taken to Val, uh, Valhalla, you get taken to Valheim to essentially conquer that realm and kind of make it suitable again. Prove um, your worth, as I believe. Like, I think if I think the idea is if you conquer them, you get you earn your place. So it's not like getting the TSA pre-flight where you're just ready to go before you die. This is like, yeah, this is you, the long. This is the long queue for the line. Okay, that makes sense. Precisely. Uh, I think it's you. You mentioned this too with like the environmental effects. I I did. You know, I think with a lot of survival games, there's either the the uh, environmental effects that affect your survival rating is either really good or really bad. And I think this game does it pretty well because it's like having to eat food. Um, you know, exposure to elements like rain and stuff like that. Um, having, you know, a lot of my early deaths in the game were by fire, just by walking through my fire. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> How long did it take you to realize fire's bad? Yeah, fire, fire bad. Um, and depending on what you eat and what you do and like the rested um, bonus that you get, it your, your health can actually, you know, change quite a lot. And I think that's an interesting touch, kind of going back to the idea we talked about before, the theme of, you know the idea of nature being, you know, at odds with with things, and having yeah, that's to kind a, of... I mean that's a big theme in a lot of Norse mythology, and that's essentially everything in this game is trying to kill you. Right, exactly. Um, I guess it kind of takes us to the larger point too about just general Norse mythology and Vikings in modern day media. Um, it's really become more ubiquitous and widespread in the last ten years. I would I would say. Um, especially with the the History Channel show Vikings, which is good. It's a good show. I really enjoyed it. Um, and there's like movies. You know, the Norsemen just came out last year to critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this oh, this Vikings is like the thing du jour now. It was it was zombies in like the the late two like the late two thousands the aughts. Um, yeah, and now, and now pirates before that. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. zo- Vikings are the new zombies and pirates. <laughs> right, and I think the the trouble with doing Vikings and, and Norse stuff is that it's based on reality with pirates and stuff like that. It's very, very much embellished off of the reality of pirates. <laughs> are, you, are you trying to tell, hang on now, wait a second. Are you telling me pirates of the Caribbean is not accurate? Um, no, I'm, I'm sadly kind of breaking your heart right now. Whoo. Yeah, I know. Well, and I have to rethink my life. I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, pir- I mean, pirates have still been pretty popular. There's, there's, there's modern pirate shows that are pretty yeah. good too, but, um, you know, it's really all about the Vikings in terms of the, um, like the historical thing people are interested in right now. It's definitely still Vikings. I'm wondering what it's going to be next, but I think it's, um, interesting. I, that... I mean, Vikings are just pirates. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. And I was trying to think too, like before Vikings, before the, the TV show Vikings, what was the, like, what any, any Viking representation, any Norse representation in media, like at all? No, I think Vikings was definitely the, uh, the catalyst. I'm sure there is, you can't say no because they, there has been, I mean, there's movies that are older with like that stereotypical, what you think of a Viking with the horned helmet and everything. Um, but I would say Vikings is what brought Vi the show Vikings is what brought Vikings into sort of the limelight, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I would... guess like how, how long have bands like uh, Amonomarth been around for? Well, and that's, I guess, the next segue to it is like, yeah, we, we in, in popular media, Vikings and Norse mythology have kind of had the up and up lately. But, you know, in terms of music scene, um, both of us are consider ourselves metalheads. And there's been ever since like the 80s, there's been a pretty strong association with Vikings with certain genres of metal music, particularly Viking metal, uh, black metal uh, and stuff like and heavy metal, I guess, in general, too. There's a lot of, you know, I'm sure Iron Maiden sings about Vikings in some of their songs. Um, <laughs> likely. So likely. So, I mean, it's because it's, it's just a popular theme in in, you know, especially European metal music. You know, I think of bands like earlier bands like Bathory um, and some of the more suspect um, <laughs> black metal groups. The, kind of the black stains on black metal. Yeah, taking some of the iconography yeah. and stories. And it's cool. Like, it's cool. Like, that's one of the reasons before Vikings came out, like, of, of my interest in Viking mythology is like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm listening to this song. What are they talking about? Oh, it's this particular story in Norse mythology that's pretty cool. And yeah, I'm on a Marth. I'm on a Marth has become um, very, very popular in the last. 10 years and they do They're like a, the five finger death punch of viking metal they are they are yeah i i have a lot of respect for mana marth because i remember seeing them in like 2006 at like a club and it was like their first or second tour in the united states and they were like that's cool opening up at 11 30 and now i saw them a couple months ago and they have this huge stage show so it's it's cool that i would say they're one of the top they're in the top 10 like most popular metal bands i would yeah. absolutely say um but anyway you know with music and movies now it's very much vikings i just think getting back to my earlier point is it can be kind of problematic um when looking at the actual history of vikings versus the popularization i think this goes with anything like we were saying with pirates i think it's just the taking the a, a real life romanticizing real situations is not a great idea because right. real life is kind of dark well and i think uh, the viking stuff doesn't really shy away from that because I think if anything, the Viking stuff, the popularization and media of Viking and Norse stuff is too romanticized in the violent sense. I think there's a lot more like just farming and stuff that they don't really account for. And oh, like just, yeah. Like fishing, I mean, you know what I mean? So like for anyone that doesn't know, Viking specifically refers to the people that went out raiding and that's it. Right. Like, it, it, it's a job, and I don't think I, like, I'm not, I couldn't be breaking any foundations by stating this, but I guess there are probably still a lot of people that don't realize this, that you go Viking, you are not a Viking. Right. Because so. typically, you know, most of the year, they're just going to be hanging out in their farm and doing stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to literally survive. I mean, uh, raiding and stuff like that was really a an action in getting stuff and staying alive and getting rep for your community. Yeah, so uh, a big part of it too is just like getting getting a name for yourself, um, something to do if you are not going to inherit the farm, um, that sort of thing. So yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I think what I was saying too is just that we typically when you romanticize something, you take away all the bad elements and push forward the good things like the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, but I think with Vikings, you kind of do the opposite. You only look at the bad things and you, you kind yeah. of shirk away from like, oh, the Vikings were just bloodthirsty uh, people. But in reality, they were, you know, had a pretty interesting societal system. They had actually decent uh, hygiene and stuff like that. They weren't just ruthless marauders, you know. Um, they were just, yeah, like you said, it's a job. It's what we got to do to survive and maintain our society. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, with the proliferation of Christianity, um, a lot, as far as I know, a lot of groups in, in, in the Norse area, uh, Northern Europe, either converted to Christianity, didn't convert to Christianity and were killed, or just kind of got absorbed into growing kingdoms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That That's my general understanding of it. So it's it's just like with pirates, um, piracy, you know, especially the golden age of piracy was not very long. It was like less than 100. 20 years? Oh, it really like it was. the golden age, like 20, 20 Yeah, years. it was something like that. And that's really because the circumstances of what was going on in the Caribbean was like, hey, there's really not a really strong, you know, uh, police presence here we can basically do whatever we want um and i think it's it was just a a case of being advantageous and i think that's what the vikings were too yeah so yeah valheim great game yeah great game valheim we did it um anything else we want to kind of touch on i think we've kind of covered some major points other things about valheim um I, i do think um with my personal anecdotes on it uh, I think Valheim is a really great game. I like that you were saying too is that it's very combat focused. It actually combat plays a focus because I think in games like Minecraft, when you have to typically your focus is to mine and create and build and stuff like that. But then you know you have sometimes have to fight creatures or whatever else, and it's just sort of a thing to do. Versus right. with um, Valheim, where it's this idea of getting your you know getting your skills up and stuff like that and getting loot. Um, it feels just more organic to me. I don't know what your opinion on it is. is. It's it's more organic, and so you 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 touched on it earlier, where you were talking about all the environmental effects. So is you get you get buffs and bonuses for having a really nice house. Essentially, to- is what it comes down to. So having nice decorations and a nice big house, it it makes your buffs last longer. Essentially. Um, which aid you in combat. So the building is really a an extension of how well you're going to be able to fight and continue to go with combat, which to me, who would, like a person that doesn't really care a lot about building, when I play Minecraft, I play for a solid week and I'm just like, all right, I'm good for the next year. Yep. Um, in Valheim, there is a reason to remodel your base, build another base, like building isn't why you're playing the game, but you do it so that you're better at combat. And I think it's just a really nice touch of the game. You're not just smelting ore at your base; you're actually trying to have it affect you in a more long-term sense. So, and one of the other things that I like about the gameplay of it is that um, you, you you don't just have an open sandbox to begin with. You do have to kind of advance the plot. Um, to gain access to like when you defeat Elkthir or Ikthir, you get that um, you get his horn that you can turn pickaxe. into an axe. Yeah, pickaxe, and then you can yep. start mining, you know, different things. So it's I think it's it's a really nice blend of narrative driving the plot forward and the gameplay forward, but also giving you the option to kind of do whatever you want. It's a perfect balance between pacing, mm-hmm. I would say. 
Because you could just stay in the first area and just build basic houses forever. Yeah, you could. Um, I would say the only, like, from a story perspective, the only maybe criticism or thing that I think that would be neat is if there was maybe a little bit more backstory on the actual bosses. Like, there is a, there's a little chunk set out through the world, but, like, it would be cool to have more. And I obviously, this game is still in alpha. There are two biomes yet that we're, they're working on. But that's one thing that I think would be cool to just hear. Even if it's just the story of, like, the fight of Odin initially throwing down the, the bad guys, I think that would be something that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But overall, yeah, I think it's a really cool game. I think the the... The base building situation, like the base building mechanic is, you know, you can tell it's an early access game. There's some there's some quirks with it in terms of its um, framing and stuff like that. I mean, it's overall, it's really fun. There's um, some jank, but a couple YouTube videos, you figure out how to take advantage of the jank. Yeah. So, it, so. again, this is, this is a game that is still in the process of being worked on. It's only two years old. Um, will it ever get to the level of Minecraft? No. But I think it's for the people that uh, kind of want to break from Minecraft, but still like a lot of the same elements again it's only like 20 bucks it's usually on sale it's it's really an awesome game that's what kind of inspired me to, to kind of create this episode of the podcast because yeah it's not a it's not a, a a existing franchise that's steeped in you know years and years and years of, of backstory and stuff like that i just think it's cool to kind of see again like the other examples of viking media you know how norse mythology has influenced stuff that we are doing today Anything else that you want to kind of touch on before we before we go? No, I think that wraps her up. Yeah, so this is a pretty short episode. We realize that it's just forty five seconds right here. Oh, sorry, forty five minutes here. Dang, we nailed it. We did it. There's obviously a lot we could kind of talk about in terms of you know more specifics about Norse mythology, but I realize that ninety uh, percent of this episode is just me going on a probably misled tangent on <laughs> Norse mythology. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was fun and, um, we're going to be kind of creating more stuff as the year goes on again, slower pace because, you know, Jeremy's got stuff going on. I got stuff going on, but we're still here. We're still doing stuff. Um, next up, we're going to be doing some fallout. Um, so we're going to be starting off with fallout one, fallout two and tactics. Um, and then doing an episode on fallout three and new Vegas, and then rounding things out with fallout four and 76. Um, again, is that going to be in the same order? I don't think so. I think we're going to kind of stagger them as the year goes on. I'm still going to do Castlevania one of these days. I know I've, <laughs> I've said it from the beginning of the, maybe it's How just many like, times have you teased that? Dude, I know. Like, Not this week. Gotcha. I, honestly, it's probably going to be the end of this year. Like it's been, it's just becoming a running gag that Reed's going to do Castlevania and it just never happens. I think we just don't ever do Castlevania. I think, yeah, I think so. I think it's so good that I don't need to do anything about it. Just play the game. <sighs> Correct. Just play the game. Exactly. Play like all 19 of them. I think there's 19 mainline, mainline series games. Anyway. So that's been our episode for for now. Uh, Valheim, really great game. Um, check them out it's on Steam. It's going to be coming to Xbox soon, so I think it's going to be on Game Pass. So I don't know how it's going to play on Xbox. I, I it'll, it, play it, it, it'll play fine. I mean, it, I know that the Steam version has Xbox controller support. I've not played it with the controller, um, but I guess we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But that being said. Um, we appreciate you guys staying along with us um, and we will be back in a little while for more stuff. So this is Rejoin again, signing off for page to pixel. Jeremy, give us something cute to go out with. Man, the oars, man, the oars, put your back into the oar. All right. Take care of everybody. See ya.